0: What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate, and I hope that your holidays, whatever those may be for you, even if this is just a season where you're away from work, I hope that this season has been a blessing for you. Um, You know, I am sitting here, you might hear my youngest in the background, really just trying to reflect and absorb on how great this year has been. And if you're listening to this, I just want to thank you. Right. I want to thank you for whatever it is you've contributed, even if it's just been your time listening to our podcasts or your glancing eyes over a social media post or spending some time on our website, living dash corporate.com. Check out. Our merch, living corp. uh Living corporate. Shop. Uh, shoot. giving us five stars on Apple podcast, like whatever it's been. I just want to thank you. You know, every year, Doesn't have to be a year of growth. We can look in the market right now and see everybody doesn't always have a great year. You, your year is not guaranteed to be good. And so the fact that I can look back at this year and see all of the, all of the growth that we've had, you know, I just, I can't do anything else but be thankful. So thank you. I hope that as you prepare for your new year, that you're taking care of yourself, living Corporate's is going to be here. Okay. Um, we're going to continue to create content. We don't really take days off. Like our flagship show doesn't. The rest of our shows are kind of seasonal, but we don't we don't really do that. Like our flagship is always on. And so you're going to continue to hear dope conversations. And look, I'm excited to bring in 2023 with you. Make sure you keep listening to Living Corporate. We'll talk to you soon. Make sure you check out this next conversation. I promise it's fire. Peace. Deanna saying, welcome to the show. How you doing?
1: I am wonderful. How are you doing, Zach?
0: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Listen, um, I want to get right into this because um, we're, we're in a season where um, we're going to have one of the most diverse workplaces uh, ever uh, due to the fact that we're going to have one of the most diverse uh, work workforces uh, entering the market and they're actively entering the market right now. We're talking about Gen Z. Um, and with that being said, Irrespective of um, what the market looks like in terms of organizations consolidating, or merging or whatever the case may be, um, leadership and how you manage that talent is going to be critical. Uh, do you believe that leaders uh, appreciate um, the principles of inclusion and equity uh, as a part of their function?
1: So I think that right now what we're starting to see is that having this, you know, understanding of inclusion or how to implement inclusion into the daily practices of what an organization are doing. When people don't have that skill set, right? People don't have an appreciation of it, they don't know how to create spaces of inclusion. They are actually becoming and this is what a CEO said to me directly, they're becoming liabilities because right now we're in this season where there are a lot of new and much more diverse people coming into the job market there's also a much higher expectation no matter whether you've been in the job market for just a couple of years or you you know you're close to kind of exiting the job market there's a, a heightened expectation that leaders are going to be paying attention to what their people need and also how they can make their people feel the most included. So that demand isn't just happening on the front end. It's happening all the way through the the employee structure. And so that's why, you know, if you don't have these skills, you don't know how to do it. You actually end up in this position where you're, you're kind of a liability.
0: When you say liability, like expound more on that.
1: So what you know, we're talking a lot. What are the what are the all the newspapers talking about now? the great resignation, right? People leaving the workforce. And so that's creating a lot of pressure inside of organizations to replace those individuals. It's also creating a lot of um, strain just on trying to recruit. It's a highly competitive market, right? So not only are you trying to keep people who are your great people inside of your organization, but you're also competing against everybody when it comes to trying to replace them if you haven't kept them or trying to grow. If even if you've kept your people and you're you're trying to grow, um, you have a highly highly competitive job market now the reason why it's a liability is because if you don't have a strong understanding of how to create those kinds of inclusive environments that people are looking for then people aren't going to come so you're going to suffer on the recruitment side and people are more likely to lead or leave, excuse me, if you don't understand them from the retention perspective. And that's where it becomes a liability because what's our biggest cost? I don't care what industry you're in or where you are in the world, right? But The largest cost is almost always coming back to labor. And so your your ability to make sure that you're maintaining um, and strengthening and really building off of that is extraordinary.
0: It's interesting, you know, to your point, like the, you know, as, as we think about like this, this. There's a workforce that's coming in again, like Gen Z, it's going to be one of the, the most diverse, uh, the most socially and politically engaged and conscious uh, groups. And frankly, um, the one of the more, t- probably the most technologically savvy in, in, in different ways. doesn't mean, necessarily mean they know how to, um, you know, even use Microsoft word really well, but in terms of just understanding how social networks work, do you believe that leaders today um, are prepared for this future uh, work, this 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 worker that's coming to the workplace.
1: Yeah, I'm so happy that you asked me this question because so often people ask me the inverse of this question, which is, how do we get, you know, people who are coming into the job market, how do we get them better suited and prepared to enter into the market? And I hear less of the question that you just asked, which I think is such a brilliant question. Are we ready to accept them, right? Are we ready to, to make sure that they feel like they can thrive within our organizations? And I think that... There are organizations, of course, at all different layers of being in a position to do that. But I would say that just overall, my general um, reflection on it is that there's a lot of room to grow because there's a much higher demand from the group that is coming in right Of this uh, of what the expectations are. There's a much higher bar of what they're considering to be an inclusive organization. And so I think even the organizations who have been at this work for some time still have a lot of room to grow.
0: As we think about like, just like the, you know, there's, I'm going to kind of just stick on this, on this idea of like just inclusive leadership. If you were to kind of summarize what inclusive leadership means in like three points or three kind of like themes, like what would they be? Like, it's like, is it, is it making sure that everyone is coming to the right meetings? Is it asking everyone's perspectives? Like what does inclusive leadership really look like?
1: So I think that it really depends on the organization. And so even though that might seem like I'm sidestepping the question, I think the first thing is that there's an organization that has clearly defined how they include people. They're really intentional about it. So that would be the the kind of the first thing that I would put on the list, because every organization that's going to mean something different, right? It's going to mean something different if you're a global organization versus you're a regional organization. It's going to mean something different if you're a small versus a multi, you know, national corporation. So it's going to mean different things in different contexts. And I think the first thing is just an awareness of what does it mean within your organization and are you intentional about it? Not like this is going to just happen by itself, right? But we are setting the course to make sure that the organization is inclusive. And myself as a leader, I'm showing up with that as one of my intentions, not a nice to have, um, you know, or something I hope to have, but something I'm intentionally setting about. So I think that's the first thing, knowing where you are and what that looks like. I think the second thing is that you also have to have some incredible like strategic plan around what you are going to do and how you're going to make sure that you're executing and whatever those ideas are that you have of who you are. Because again, we, we often equate like having an inclusive culture or, you know, thinking about diversity and equity or thinking about belonging as something that's like a nice thing to do. Right. We don't think about it as a strategy. And the problem with that is that if you don't think about it as a strategy, then you're not getting the resources, you're not getting the attention, you're not getting the time, you're not getting the dedication, you're not following up, you're not checking in. And so I do think that the second component is this idea of being able to have some kind of strategy. So one is naming what it is and being able to be intentional. The second is having some kind of strategy. And I would say the third thing is making sure that you actually are um, resourcing whatever it is that is your strategy. And that can mean money, but that can also mean knowledge and energy and time and, and uh, acknowledgement right, of the people who are carrying out the things that you set forward. So if you don't have those components, right, there's a lot of people out here who are being tasked with diversity, equity, and inclusion, who are do not have any additional supports, who um, there's not clear indications or intentions from the leadership, who don't have the right resources, you know, and what does that end up doing? It doesn't help you change culture. It just helps continue to perpetuate what already exists.
0: It's interesting, because like one, thank you. I agree. Um, I think my follow up to that is so so much of this space and this work is like dependent on people just behaving um, in certain ways. Um, Talk to me about (laughs) talk to me about what accountability looks like and how, if at all, um, should um, accountability shift and change as we we continue to have an increasingly diverse workforce.
1: So I... Giggled when you said, you know, it depends on us and us behaving in in different kinds of way, Mm -hmm. because this is, uh, you know, it's change management and a big part of change management isn't just doing the things, it's also making sure that we're changing the behaviors, right? So that in times of uh, pressure, in, in times of, you know, having to move more quickly or in times where we have so much uncertainty, like the times that we're in right now, these things don't fade away, they really become core to who we are as an organization. So I think that there are so many different things that you know we we could be doing as we think about how we're continuously Holding ourselves accountable uh, to the work, but I always, you know, tell people that the accountability has to happen on multi levels. It it has to happen at the ind- individual level, right? As if I'm a leader and I say I want to be an inclusive leader or I'm committed to um, inclusive leadership, then there are some things I have to hold myself accountable to. I have to be able to say to the people that are on my team or in my department, in my company, in my organization, in my family, wherever it is that you're that you're leading here are the things I'm going to hold myself to. Here are the things that I'm going to do differently. And here's how I'm going to measure that. At the same respect, you have to be able to think about what that looks like um, at the organizational level. So it can't just be that we're holding individuals accountable for, for carrying out this work. We have to have to look at like what's happening in the practices that we have and what's happening in the operations that we um, that we have as an organization so in the practices you know in the interactions or the 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 times where we're having these creative collisions with one another, what what's happening in those spaces? How are we fostering conversations and relationships and learning in a way that really builds that up and builds up those competencies? But then also, how are, what are the policies and the systems and structures inside of our institutions that are kind of the the foundation of all these other relationships? Right? Are, are we taking a look at those? Are we reviewing them on a regular basis? Are we making changes when we see that there are problems? So I think one of the things that um, is both, to me, it's like super exciting, but I know to others, it can also be very terrifying, is the fact that when you're in diversity, equity, and inclusion work, there's no end to it. It's the cycle of continuous improvement. And so part of your accountability has to take that into, um, into consideration, right? Like, how are we going to be better today than we were yesterday? And what, how are we going to be better in a year from now than we were this year and, and how do we make sure that we're continuously improving and not wearing ourselves out, but really being able to track our growth in the right direction.
0: You know, it, it's interesting because like, I think like so much of the space also, as we talk about, like, even just like leadership on its own, right? Like just, just straight leadership. It involves so much discomfort, um, in terms of getting f- critical feedback, wanting to, um, you know, being able to listen, um, and also kind of checking yourself uh, against some of the things maybe you thought you were really good at, but if I, you know, you turn, it turns out you're not that great at, I'm I'm curious, um, when we talk about this, discom- like does discomfort or the idea of discomfort, um, in leadership development, does that ever come up for you and the clients that you discuss and like the fact that like, Hey, we can't oh, yes. be comfortable and okay. Yeah. Please talk more about that. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. You know, if you're comfortable all the time, then you are not growing. I am a diversity, equity, and inclusion leader. I talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion all day, every day. And I love the work that I do. I read, you know, I'm like a voracious reader. So I'm constantly reading. I wrote, you know, a book in this area. And every day I am still pushing myself outside of my comfort zone. The minute I start to feel like, oh, I know this, I'm this. And then I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. I am not on that cycle of what we just talked about, continuous improvement, right? I, I've gotten to a place of complacency. And so I do think that it is one of the muscles that you have to build up if you are uh, gonna go into leadership. And it's not just in the diversity, equity, inclusion space, as you said, it's, it's really in any kind of facet of, of leadership. You have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You have to get comfortable with failing. I guarantee you, right? If you're gonna do this work, you have to be open to the fact that you're going to have some blenders. There's going to be some times where you're clumsy and that's part of the learning process. I kind of liken it to this, right? Zach, like, um, I love the, the, the language of Spanish. And there was a point in my life where I was pretty conversationally like fluent. I don't use it as much as I did at that, you know, now as I did it during that time of my life. So when I'm having a conversation now, I know that I'm, like bumbling over words and you know maybe not fully getting the words out but my desire to want to to learn spanish to communicate in spanish right to to learn more um spanish really motivates me that even through that discomfort right the the greater goal is i know being able to communicate with more people in a beautiful language it's kind of the same thing here right if you want to be an inclusive leader sometimes you're going to have to realize like part of the learning is is messing up, right? It's part of the learning. Is testing and trying yourself, and and trying to get more comfortable. But you're going to consistently be uncomfortable as you keep growing. So, I, I hope that analogy sort of works, it right? Does, that it that it's not going to be simple, and it shouldn't be simple. But that's part of the process. Yeah.
0: So let let's talk a little bit about about your organization, uplifting impact. Um, you know, you, you have a lot of things going on from the public speaking to the books to your podcast. Like, talk to me about um about how this came to be.
1: Sure. So a lot of people will ask me this question. They'll say, like, hey Deanna, how did you get into diversity, equity, inclusion work? And I always tell them, I really was born into it. And what I mean by that is that my my mom is African American and my dad is a Sikh American. My dad grew up in a very small village in Punjab, India. My mom's family comes from a very small community in McGee, Mississippi, and then uh lived in on the north side of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And so they met each other, got married after knowing each other for only three months. They did not uh, eat the same foods. They didn't have the same religion. They didn't, um, you know, come from similar backgrounds in any respect of the word. They didn't even speak the same language, Zach, when they got married. And they've been married for 40 plus years now. And so As the firstborn, right, like I had the opportunity to experience so many different things that, it, you know, if you looked at sort of their backgrounds and everything on paper, you'd be like, this is not going to work. Like, what, what is going on here? But I got to watch them build this amazing family and career and, you know, home together. And so in many ways, that was like a just a, you know, foundational experience for me. And I think that that's what really carried the work forward. So in every, and I've been in all kinds of different sectors and all kinds of different jobs and all kinds of different words, but you can trace literally from, I feel like, you know, the time I could walk and talk all the way through my entire career, this commitment and also focus on trying to create more diverse and equitable spaces.
0: That's incredible. Let's talk a little bit about your your team. Like, how did you develop your team? What was the process to really identify them? And and what are you excited about as you think about um, the rest of this year and the work that y'all are doing?
1: So I am so fortunate to be able to work with the people that I work with every day. They are incredibly passionate about what we are trying to accomplish they see not only the day-to-day tasks that we have to get done but also very much are aware of this bigger picture of what it looks like when we really do have an inclusive world like right one of the things we talk about as a theory of change within our organization is this idea that all the solutions to all the problems in the world probably exist already but there's this theory that we hold to, which is that the reason why we don't have those answers and we don't have those solutions is we haven't really created the platform for which the people who could bring them forward, right, uh, feel like they, they have the space to do it. And so as we think about like our company and our company purpose, you know, the way we talk about it is shifting power to marginalized communities. So when I, you know, think about my team, the first thing that I just think about is their like incredible commitment to seeing that that vision come to fruition right where power is shifted and we're able to solve for some of these big issues it just so happens that the tools that we use are coming from our diversity equity and inclusion space so that's really how you know the team comes together i think we we're just all so super aligned on that on that mission on that vision on that focus on that that core belief that together we can go much farther than we can by ourselves you know, the 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 team and how they came together. One of my big leadership philosophies is that I, I do think that people come um, and have different seasons, right, of their life. So there's a season where you're doing this or where you really should be focusing on this. and And these are the kinds of gifts that you bring. And so one of my goals as a leader is always to try and figure out how is what your like purpose is, what your individual purpose is? How is that tied to this larger purpose? And also like, what does it mean in this season of your life? And how can we make sure that we're supporting you in this season of your life? So I would say that is a, a, a testament, right, to the to the individuals because they're also willing to take risks and try things and, and really push themselves um, further, which is why we're able to go and do some of the things that we're able to do. So that's the team. So the second part of your question was, where are we looking to go? What what's going to happen next? And I think that really the book "Actions Speak Louder" that you know is coming out May thirty first of twenty twenty two is has a lot to do with where we see we're going next. One of the things. That really spurred this book and and got it you know to a place where we're like we're gonna put all the time and attention that you have to you have to do in order to get a book out was the fact that we saw so many people and so many organizations that were like yeah of course we want to create an inclusive environment like we've seen the research we you know we we know just even without seeing the research like the impact of having these positive work environments like what it could have on our business and and really as we think about like our our ability to stay in business and and to stay stay competitive and innovative, we know that this is also key to that strategy. So there there was, especially with our clients, right, because they're the ones here reaching out to us, there is already this notion of, no, we get it. Like, we're, we're here for it. But there was also this, like, but I'm not exactly sure what that means. You know, like, I get it. I understand it maybe from a theoretical standpoint, but I don't know what it looks like from a practical standpoint. And that is one of the places where I would say our team really does a great job because we are always looking at you know the best practices. We're always looking at the theory. We're always looking at academia. We're always looking at you know the case studies and and making sure that we're well versed in what is happening in the DEI space around us. But then our job, as we see it, is translating that into practical things that people can do every single day. So the core of that book and really the core of the work that we're doing now and that I see us doing even more so in the future is how do we make this real. Right. How, how do we change to, to one of your earlier points? How do we change the behaviors of, of individuals? How do we change the systems and structures? How do we make sure that we are creating the kind of environment that will welcome others in?
0: I love that. Um, you know, it's something something earlier you said in this conversation is that you're a voracious reader. Like, you know, you're constantly picking up books and reading different things like talk to me about some of the things that you're reading right now.
1: Oh, so the book that I just picked up and I'm so excited about uh, reading it. I, I'm going to tell you, I haven't been able to get very far into it, but I was able to interview uh, the author on our um, podcast is a, a book called The First, The Few, and The Only. It's The subheading is how women of color can redefine power in corporate America. And the reason why I'm so excited about uh, reading this book and why I had reached out as soon as I like, you know, read the the g- general overview and kind of understood what what the goal of the book was, is the fact that we have a lot of conversations um, about inclusion and, and what it means and, you know, how we're trying to achieve it. I think one of the pieces of the conversation that I know is addressed directly in this book is the fact that there is this... Um, very, very negative impact that is happening to the health of people who are in marginalized communities as a result of us not doing this work faster and not doing it more effectively. And I think that I was. I just had a conversation um, yesterday with a group of African American leaders, and we were talking about how sometimes some of the experiences that they're having. Right? These are all people who are um, in kind of executive and, and rising star sort of positions within their their corporate positions, and they were talking about how because you can often be the only or the first or you know one of few in your workspace it can start to feel one, really lonely, two, really isolating. And three, you can start to doubt, like, wait, are these things really happening to me? Like, am I, is this, right? Like what, what is going on? And, um, you know, in this book, she talks about how that manifests into like physical, um, impacts in our bodies and, and just like what that is looking like. And I, I just, yeah, I mean, there's, there's these moments, right. Where you're like, wow, I'm sick and I'm getting sick from being a marginalized person in corporate America that's not inclusive. I'm literally physically sick. Like I'm, you know, whether it's obesity or whether it's hypertension or whether that these things are manifesting itself more and more. Um, and she documented it. So I'm just like, I can't wait because it's, sometimes it's so hard. You feel like you don't even have the words to put on what some of your experiences are. And, and she and she has done that for us, which is
0: great. That's so powerful. And, you know, it's... it's um it's interesting because um, you know there's there are folks there's a there's a saying out there that the body keeps the score right so like you know all the things that um, all the microaggressions are gaslighting or just points of uh, marginalization um, folks just not engaging you or 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 not being accountable and and you know singling you out or isolating or otherizing you and you kind of try to shake those things off in reality you're a lot of times you're they're being internalized even if you don't think you're internalizing them and so then it creates all sorts of challenges i I mean i've had my own um, issues and experiences with that myself i mean i'm in therapy every week um because of largely because of those things right because of just my own the mileage right that i've built up over time so that's incredible um let me ask you this you know as we look at again like this this landscape, leadership continuing to be um, an, an area of, of liability to your language earlier in our conversation. Let's say there's executives listening to this right now who are like, okay, I get it. I don't know where to start, but I'd like to do something. What three points of advice would you provide to those folks who are interested in trying to get started? They don't know where to start, but they realize that there are some things that need to change.
1: So the first thing I would tell them is to read my book just kidding but not um, because <laughs> I do try to really like call it down into a way that allows for people to make an assessment of where they should be focusing so I, I say that in jest but I also say it from a realistic standpoint the reason you know I, we again we moved forward with it is because we felt like there wasn't a lot of places where you could go to to get that kind of context like I want to start I'm not sure where so I do hope that it delivers on on that for for the readers but I would say other things that I would do is one, I would do a little bit of a self-assessment. Um, I have a lot of leaders who with very, very good intentions, skip the self-assessment standpoint and they try to jump into something. And I, you know, I, I kind of like liken it to this, right? If you, um, didn't know anything about building a computer, And you were like, you know what, I really want to build a a better computer. So what I'm going to do is before I do any assessment of my skills or what I can bring to the table, I'm just going to take my computer, throw it on the ground, let it break into a million pieces, and then I'm going to try and put it back together again we would laugh, right? Like that is not the way to go about learning how to do it. And, but too often, right? People are like, let me just go in here and crash into all these, you know, huge social problems or social challenges or or really tough conversations. Let me just jump right on into it. Like, right, It's, it's the same as like, let me throw my computer on the ground and then build it back up again, as opposed to saying, wait a minute, before I crash this computer, let me think about, do I have the tools that I would need to put it back together again? Do I even know what I'm trying to build it towards? that would be different? Who else might I need to bring in to help educate me and what it would look like, right, for this to be successful? And so I think it's just taking that self-assessment and understanding where your strengths are and where you might need some additional supports can keep you from jumping into something that you're not prepared for and breaking and destroying your computer, in <laughs> right, or, or, or your, your, what you're trying to, your goals around inclusion. I think the second thing is after you do that self-assessment, you really got to understand whatever those gaps are. You have to come up with what is going to be the – how am I going to fill those gaps? Am I going to go external? Am I going to go and, you know, find some resources or some tools that I can just get access to? Because, again, this is not, you know – when we talk about like diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's not just a given, right? It's not just like, oh, you could just wake up and now I'm an expert in this, or I could just do this. There are definitely things that make people more uh, have have a stronger ability to be able to do this successfully. There's also things that make people not great candidates to be the ones who are leading this. And so I think being able to shore up your own and upskill right into a place where you're going to be able to be effective is incredibly important too. So those are two things I would say, starting with what's, your self-assessment? What are the gaps, right, that you identify from there? And then what are you going to do to either upskill or resource yourself before you try and step too far uh, down this pathway without the supports you need?
0: I love that. Um, this has been a great conversation, Deanna, and I, I, I can't thank you enough for being a guest. Um, before I let you go, any parting words or shout outs?
1: So I'm so glad you asked me the questions uh, about the team. I don't get to brag on them nearly enough, but I am incredibly fortunate to just, again, be surrounded by so many people that care a lot about what we're doing and not just about what we're doing, but also about how we are doing it. And that's one of the things that I would leave your listeners with too. You know, if you're making widgets, if you're providing services, whatever you're doing, it's I believe, just as important what you're doing as how you're doing it. And as we look at all the challenges that are in front of us and all the different ways you know, that these challenges might manifest themselves, I would just encourage us to look at this as an opportunity, an opportunity to completely change the way that we think about the workforce and completely think about the, the way that we, um, that we wanna show up and what we wanna leave for the next generation.
0: I love it. Deanna, thank you so much for being a guest on Living Corporate. Definitely consider you a friend of the show and you're welcome back anytime.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much. It was lovely being with you.
0: Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.